Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Peaceful Growth, a show about learning tools, tips, strategies to grow your business, life and career without burning out. I'm your host Anil Gupta, CEO and co-founder of Multidots, Multicolab and Dot Store. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, uh, my today's uh, guest for Peaceful Growth uh, podcast is Chris. He's a co-founder and CEO of uh, Lifter LMS. And today we are going to talk about uh, a lot of interesting things about his journey to create this Lifter LMS uh, very successful product business, uh, but a bunch of other things that uh, will be very helpful for um, if you are an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur in WordPress space. Hi, Chris. Hey, it's good to be here, Anil. I'm super excited for the show. Me too. And um, yeah, I, I, I was a guest in one of your podcasts, uh, I think a long time ago. And um, I think, uh, you know, it was a really good, a good episode and just uh, interacting with you. And that kind of like also reminded me that I want you to be a guest on this podcast. So thanks for your time today. And uh, thanks for um, joining in today. Absolutely. So Chris, how about we start with um, your introduction? If you can tell us a little bit about who you are, where are you from, and a little bit about your business. All right. Well, I like to say I live an integrated life, or I try to. So I'm I'm not just defined by my business or uh, my lifestyle or whatever. But uh, I'm an unlikely entrepreneur in the sense that I don't have a background in tech. I don't have a background in business. I don't have an, a background in education. But I used to run sled dogs in Alaska on a glacier. That's a whole story. But after that, I started a blog about outdoor leadership. That's how I discovered WordPress. Grew an agency uh, after people started asking me to build websites for them and focused in on the education niche, which I was really excited about because I like making an impact in the world. And I also discovered later in life that I was an entrepreneur. And I like created value and building business and, and that kind of thing. And that's where Lifter LMS came from which is a learning management system for WordPress. And it's used to create courses, training-based membership sites. Um, it's used by subject matter experts. It's used by schools. It's used by businesses. And then the WordPress and marketing professionals that support those industries. So that's that's the quick story of who I am and who Lifter LMS is. And I do, I live uh, in the country. I've always been a... Um, more of a rural guy. I, I live on a little farm on the coast of Maine. Uh, I homeschooled my kids. They're in, they've recently gone to school as they've gotten older. But um, I'm all about uh, a lifestyle, not just making money. So it's really important to me to to build a, a great life, not just a great business. That's great. Um, I can hear the, the roosters in the background. So I, it, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but it's so funny. Whenever I start podcasting, the <laughs> starts going too and joins the conversation. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that. We have some nature um, as well in the call today. So, please, I'm going to pull up um, your website, Lifter LMS, here on the screen. And because you do have some really significant growth and, and in the great numbers in terms of um, uh, like a millions of uh, the enrollments and installs and stuff like that. So you've built a really um, successful business there. Uh, congratulations and really well done there. So wanted to talk a lot more about that in terms of um, like how many total installs and number of clients, if you can maybe share some numbers that um, helps us understand how big your business is at this moment. Absolutely. So Lister LMS is just about to turn nine years old. So we've been going at it for a while. Um, when we started on the initial launch, we got 42 customers back in October of 2014. Now, these days, our active installs are around 10,000. And we monetize very well as a business in the sense that we have approximately... 25% uh, of our users become paid customers. So healthy conversion rate there. We have one of the most expensive products in the WordPress ecosystem. And, but we also give a ton away for free 
with our free core plugin, which is a very similar strategy to WooCommerce in that you have this free core that's very valuable in and of itself. Then we have paid add-ons. Uh, our team size is around nine folks these days. And, um, you know, we get a good chunk of traffic every month. I'm, I'm searching in my mind for the exact number. I think it's around 20,000, something like that. And, um, yeah, we, we've just been doing this for a long time. And, you know, the LMS market is a crowded space. There's somewhere around 500 LMSs, not just in WordPress, but just kind of total. So it's a very crowded space in the WordPress ecosystem. There's approximately eight or so WordPress LMSs and they're, okay. they're different. They take different approaches and, uh, you know, some features are overlapping and I know we're going to talk about the WordPress LMS initiative from WordCamp a little later, mm -hmm. which kind of gets into what's similar, but, um, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, been podcasting for a long time. I like to say I started my podcast LMS cast at the same time as Tim Ferriss. So I've been oh, wow. <laughs> for about not over nine years at this point. Yeah. Um, how many episodes do you have with the LMS, LMS cast? cast? It's about 430, I think, are published wow. right now. And uh, so I'm a big content for growth. Mm. You know, in my view, there's three ways to do growth. Um, kind of marketing and sales style. There's inbound, so content marketing, SEO, outbound, prospecting. And then there's relationships, you know, uh, getting doing joint venture partnerships, just being a good community citizen. Um, getting your brand out there, sponsoring WordCamps and, and things like that. So there's lots of different ways of growth. And we, my approach is actually to do the whole portfolio. Like we try, we do everything, but I would say content marketing is our strength followed by relationships. And then in terms of going out into the world, prospecting through paid ads or outbound sales, we do a little bit of, but not very much. Hmm. So um, let me ask you about your podcast. So um, what inspired you to start your podcast and how it helped you to grow your business? There's a lot of reasons. One, I love podcasts myself as a listener. So for, it's been a long time, maybe 14 years, I've been listening to at least one podcast a day about mm -hmm. business or personal development or audiobooks and stuff. So I'm a, I'm a huge long form content consumer. I also found with my personality and just my uh, preferences that creating long form video and audio content is the easiest for me and it comes naturally. I like writing and I enjoy it, but I find podcasting to just be more low friction for my personality. Mm -hmm. And in terms of relationships, um, I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. So every time I interview or am interviewed, I'm always learning something. And from a marketing perspective, creating podcast content, you've got audio, you've got video, you've got the, sh you know, the blog post that goes with it. So it's a very effective medium. Yeah. I also think that a lot of, when it comes to growth, there's often a lot of focus on the bottom of the funnel and, and getting more sales and orders and stuff. But I look at podcasting as more top of the funnel, um, you know, content that you're not even necessarily trying to sell, but you're nurturing those relationships, both with your listener, with your guests. Uh, those are some of the main points with why I love podcasting. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that you feel like you're more comfortable on podcast than writing. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I it, it's interesting because a uh, few years ago when um um I I'm mean, like uh, by nature I'm an introvert and usually um when it comes to uh, sharing my knowledge or my experience um I've been much more comfortable that doing that in a closed a small group of people. Um, so my team, they asked me that because I've been doing all this workshop internally, like, you know, for my team members, and I've been writing some of the stuff internally, but then they asked me, like, why don't you share 
everything that you share with us um, publicly. And I was like, I'm not sure, you know, that if that's something that I come from, because I'm an introvert, you know, yeah, we have like a, um, like a lot of different self-doubts and stuff like that. So when I was thinking that, okay, how should I start this journey of being more comfortable and courageous about, you know, um, sharing my knowledge and experience and insights, I was thinking about between writing or uh, YouTube or like a video format content. And I felt actually writing more comfortable than the 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 videos or podcast. So I started writing um, last year on my learn and grow a newsletter where like, you know, that was like, I wanted to build a habit of writing. And so that's what the kind of like platform that I picked first because I felt like as an introvert, writing was more comfortable for me. But then uh, starting this year, um, you know, when I was comfortable sharing my knowledge through writing, I decided to start the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, a, I'm an extreme introvert myself, which is a surprise to some people because mm -hmm. it comes through online as this extroverted guy on video or podcast yeah. doing all this stuff. And I, I actually really enjoy writing and I'm not bad at it, mm. but it's a lot slower for me. Mm. And you don't have the added benefit of the interaction with another human being there. That's right. So, so it's like one plus one equals three. Yeah. And, but yeah, I'm an, I'm an extreme introvert. Like if you were to take a personality test, I'm not just a little bit, I'm like mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> and uh, what happened to me over time, particularly with podcasting, and then later as I got more comfortable with it, webinars and doing more presentation style stuff online mm. is I developed, it's kind of like an extreme focus and yeah. all the world around just kind of disappears and I'm just with the guest. And I'm not even thinking about the audience that's listening in the sense that like, I don't feel that pressure that I would feel if I were on stage at a conference giving a talk. So mm -hmm. I became very comfortable with it. Yeah. And then also over time, we all struggle with imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I do have a lot of value to share. And I became better at interviewing people and helping showcase their value which then gives you more confidence and it's a flywheel of um, growth and momentum there. So that's why I've stuck to it for nine years, releasing a podcast mm -hmm. every week. And I'm glad that you're doing that, Chris. And I think uh, I was um, in the beginning when I was thinking, still debating whether you know I should uh, start my podcast or not. I kind of like listened to a lot of um, other hosts uh, and their podcast and a very majority of them were actually introvert, you know, who are um, a host of a podcast. So, so yeah, so people like you, um, you know, uh, kind of inspired me as well to like, as an introvert, uh, you know, I can, it's comfortable. I mean, it's fine to, to do a podcast. And if there is any introvert out there, you know, who's still thinking that how to get out outside the world and share your knowledge, I think writing and podcast are, are, are something that, will be a good um, uh, starting step. And uh, yeah, you know, so your podcast and my podcast can be an inspiration for, for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Chris, um, next, I wanted to ask you, I think mentioned a little bit about that you started your career before you started Lifter LMS. You had some agency business or you were doing mm -hmm. um, freelance website design development? Yeah. So I started as a freelancer Okay, and then I, uh, I merged, and I started to, to over. I learned I had a talent for marketing and sales, and even in sales particularly, which is another funny thing. People think you have mm -hmm. to be extroverted to be a good salesperson, and I, you can be all kinds of people and be a good salesperson, but an introvert, particularly, is really good at listening, and and hearing the customer, mm -hmm. and uh, so that. You know, I, I developed sales skills and I started overselling what I could deliver in the back end of WordPress because I'm not a developer yeah. and I'm not a designer. So I had to start building team around me to fulfill mm. projects and then basically built up a small agency and then merged my agency with another agency. We got bigger clients 
Um, you know, my first website build was like a couple hundred bucks. And then later in this bigger agency, we had 17 people. Um, some of our projects were like 30, 50, $80,000, like big custom projects. And that, um, so I just grew in that way. And I also specialized in, you know, not just building the site, but understanding marketing and marketing automation and working with popular CRMs like Infusionsoft. And through that, developed this focus in the, the course creator coach type area. Yeah. And there wasn't a tool that did everything we wanted to do for that, which is why we built Lifter LMS. Our, our clients basically pulled the product out of us. And that was how that transition started. And then there was a couple of years of running both businesses simultaneously and then ultimately transitioning to the product. Yeah. So one question, Chris, I have there is, um, I have seen recently that a lot of um, agency owners or founders, entrepreneurs, they're kind of like transitioning to a product business and I, I'm kind of like in the process of doing the same thing. Like I have multi-dots. We started 14 years ago and three years ago, um, I started transitioning to and focusing more on the product business as well. And the multi-collab and dot store are two of our product businesses. So one thing that I struggle is like as an agency, you know, it's it's a very different revenue model and inspiration. You have the the cash upfront, you know, uh, and the, your customer is ready to pay, and then you deliver the product um, after that. But in the product business, what I have experienced since last three years that I've been spending a lot in order to build the product, promote the product, and the cash flow or the revenue in the beginning is not that big or that inspiring. So my question is like when you transition from agency to product or especially in the, the first few years of Lifter LMS, um, I assume the revenue and the clients and those numbers were not that exciting. So how you keep yourself inspired, you know, in that moment to continue investing in the product and in terms of the spend, because this is another question that I'm also struggling that in terms of investment and spending in the product business on the first one or two year, like what that number looks like that you should be comfortable spending before you start making money. Yeah. Well, first I'd say it was extremely painful making the transition. And uh, like, even when we first launched, you know, we were kind of following the lean startup method and we built our MVP and about our minimum viable product in about uh, 60 days, I think. And yeah. was basically pulled a developer out of the agency work to, to just focus on the product for 60 days, launch it. And our internal goal was if we got 100 customers, we'd keep going. And if not, we would not. And then we got, we only had 42 customers, but I'm kind of bullheaded. So I was like, well, we're just going to keep going anyways. And uh, even though we only had 42 customers, mm -hmm. but there were hard times there. So like, for example, um, in the early days in some of the hardest days, I would pull like a thousand dollars a month out for myself as an owner as pay, but paying the developer who's working on lifter LMS, $5,000 a month. So I, you have that sacrifice has to come from somewhere as a bootstrapper. Hmm. And so that was very hard and very painful. And for me, I have an ability to live on a low cost of living. If, I, um, that's just you know, where I choose to live and, and cut expenses and all that. So I, I made a lot of sacrifices to get through there, but for many years, um, for a couple of years, it just wasn't making that much money possibly. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but you know, a thousand a month, 2000 a month, 3000 a month, like the, the slow build in the beginning mm. was very hard. And then, but we had the agency business to kind of offset that to right. provide the capital to reinvest. But mm -hmm. so there, you were doing yeah. the agency uh, when you started the product. So it wasn't like you completely moved out, but do you, you continue to run the agency as well while your product was growing? Yeah, there would have been no other way to fund yeah. it. <laughs> and, do, you, uh, do you remember and just off the top of your mind that how much investment 
uh, in the product business you had to do before you become a profitable. I'll tell you about uh, MultiCollab. So like I started MultiCollab three years ago. So far, I feel like probably we have invested somewhere around $300,000 uh, of yeah. you know production time and the marketing. Uh, we are not yet profitable, but that's kind of like, you know, what as a product entrepreneur, I'm, I'm wondering that in order to be a profitable product business, what's that number look like that you should be comfortable investing in the beginning of the business? Well, to the timeline first, you know, I've heard this quote that like, it takes three years to replace your day job as an entrepreneur. And I thought to myself like, oh, I must not be that smart because it took me like four or five to like, so it took a long time to really be profitable like you're talking about Mm -hmm. and have the confidence. In our case, we decided to move on from the agency business. Um, So it took a while. And then uh, the MVP stage, I think is really important in the sense that, you know, one developer, two months, $5,000 a month. So our MVP was only $10,000 of investment. And there was some more on top of that for infrastructure. And that was per month, right? $10,000 per month? Total. Or total. Okay. And, uh, and it was probably more because other people mm. were working on it. But basically what we found is you had to, the agency will always cannibalize the product because, you know, you've got the clients, they need a lot of stuff. So you really have to kind of like insulate this baby product business mm-hmm. particularly the developer that's working on it even though the clients are trying to pull those resources away um so but yeah like including like co-founder salaries and everything it probably took similar to what you're saying two three hundred thousand to like really hit it and, yeah. and to be profitable and for us the the biggest driver of profitability of where the growth chart went much more up and to the right was when Mm. we decided to make our core product free. And then we got the distribution through WordPress. We were the, at that time, we were the, I believe the only free LMS or we always came up number one or whatever for a while. And now it's totally different. There's lots of competition and, um, but that, that was a really hard decision because part of the, minimum viable product process, even though we knew we always wanted to kind of do things the WordPress way and make Mm -hmm. this free plugin, our MVP stage, it was a paid product. It was $150 a year. Now, as an example, our everything package is $1,200 a year. Okay. So we've, you know, there's a lot of pricing strategy and stuff. And as we, the platform got more complex that created growth, but yeah, it was, it took a while and many hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to really, you know, get that escape velocity of, is this yeah. startup going to work or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think key insight uh, for anyone who uh, already have a product business or just started or want to start. Um, I would say like, yeah, we are somewhere around like 20,000, ARR like revenue wise for multi collab at this moment, uh, and we have invested so I think two hundred thousand dollars so far in last two years uh, in order to get to twenty thousand. So uh, yeah. it's definitely a little long term game. But those who are interested to learn about like you know what those numbers looks like, I would say for in our case in multi collab specifically two hundred thousand uh, dollar to get to twenty thousand ARR um, for our purpose product business and you kind of also uh chris mentioned something around like 200 something that where you become profitable that you had to invest in in the product business right in the beginning yeah i'd say that math is almost identical okay what worked and it's Mm. not it doesn't mean that every project will work but Mm. like multi-collab and lifter lms there was a product market fit you got so you have to you know some products don't work and that's unfortunate but yeah if you get that product market fit and you have a core customer, um, you've got something, but it's a lot of hard work and takes time. Yeah. And this is something that, um, yeah, we maybe we can talk a little bit more about because this is something that I, as an, I've been talking to a lot of new entrepreneurs recently. And one thing that they struggle is that they have this great idea, but then they still don't know that how much I need to invest because production is just 
uh, one part of the game puzzle, right? But there is like promotion and marketing and support. There are a lot of other stuff where you also need to to put in money. And uh, yeah, so I think uh, knowing this, uh, you know, the the some of these numbers um, can be very helpful in ta- in order to decide that um, you know that uh, how long and how much it takes to be a successful with the product business. Yeah, hundred percent. And I know this is the peaceful growth po- podcast, but in the early days, I was I did not have as much peace in the sense that <laughs> the struggle was really mm-hmm. hard financially. I was I had to really stretch my days out long and and mm-hmm. do wear multiple hats, like sell it, market it, support it, you know. And I wasn't doing it all alone. I had great co-founders and team, but it was it's not easy. Yeah. Sacrifice is not just finance. It's not easy, but it's worth it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, I think that's where your product mission, vision, and values matter mm-hmm. because I'm a lifelong learner and I also really believe in the power of education to lift up others and send out a positive impact in the world. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't just trying to make money or I found a gap in the market and I'm going to fill it. It was that passion and that mission, vision stuff is super important to um you know staying motivated and and lifting you up when times are hard yeah okay guys so if you're interested to check out how multicollab works and how multicollab can solve your problems or improve your content publishing workflow you can go to our website and click on the try demo tab in the menu section then simply fill out your details and there you go now you have access to the demo environment where you can test all the amazing features that multicollab has to offer um, so, Chris, how many um, clients do you have currently with Lyft LMS? So, there's somewhere around 10,000 in terms of users. Users. And we, and we we monetize around 25% of that. Okay. So, uh, somewhere around 2,500 customers, paid customers, yeah. paying customers, right? Yeah. So, one question I have is there, um, what advice or tips you will share um if someone who wants to grow like just starting off the product business WordPress plugin or product business and they want to get their first hundred customers so what tips or advice would you uh, would you share for getting the first hundred customer for a product business my experience was to basically throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks so do everything try paid ads do content do affiliate program do joint venture marketing with other companies, Mm. uh, but also do a strong ground game, meaning a lot of tech or online entrepreneurs, they want to like do it behind the website and just do the tech. And, but actually getting out of the building and talking to customers or prospects, you know, going out into the community conferences, word camps, whatever is really important. Yeah. Um, and also, you really have to learn marketing. I, I find uh, some entrepreneurs are really heavy on the engineering or tech side, and some are really heavy on the marketing side, but you, you have to have both at a high level. And mm-hmm. whether you do that through partnership, which is what I did, yeah. or you do it, you're one of those unicorns who really developed both skills. Like I know product founders that are good at both marketing and building the product. So there's not, there's not just one way to do it, mm-hmm. but, and also you have to pre-sell. So, you know, especially in the early days, we lot, we did a lot of selling products with a future launch date at a discount to, to, um, both get revenue, but also get a test of demand. Um, so pre-selling is super important and building yeah. anticipation and talking about what you're building next. Because building a product is not just the code. It's also the relationship and your vision for the future that people Mm. buy into. Yeah. And my other piece of advice is if you haven't selected a product yet, is to have a core customer, not necessarily a a tech that you're excited about. But when you, and if you can build a platform level product Mm. that is sort of becomes the backbone of that core customer's business and hopes and dreams. So we do both in the sense that we provide an all-in-one solution for 
online learning, but at the same time, we also work very hard to integrate with other tools in the WordPress ecosystem and, you know, be a good citizen in the community of software tools that our core customer uses. Yeah. I want to go back to some of the things that you mentioned in the beginning about paid ads, content, um, uh, like sponsoring and participating in the community. Um, and as you mentioned that, especially in the beginning when you are starting a business, then you have to, to do this uh, spaghetti approach, like try out all of the things and focus on a double down on what works. But now as you have all this experience and all your learning, so let's say if you are starting a new product business out of all the different marketing things that you tried uh, in the beginning Lifter LMS for a new product business out of all, if you have to, let's say, focus on one or two, what would you pick? It really depends on the founder. For me, I would do content marketing because that's what I'm good at hmm. and, and relationships. Um, but I've met, I have friends with software companies that only do paid ads. Yeah. And, and they're like, I don't know how you do all that content. And I'm like, I don't know how you do those ads successfully. But which one worked most for you, for your content. business? Content. Okay. Yeah. So that was good. Like, because you are good at content and it worked for you because that's, those are the two things are, I see, I think uh, is very important that what you're good at, but also what works good for your business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, um, and also what builds the relationship more like ads can be a little more transactional. Oh, we're mm -hmm. going to do some retargeting or whatever. But um, the main thing is also not to just focus on the sale. So, so one of the core strategies I have, it's more of the meta strategy of everything is that when you put your customer at the center of your business, instead of the product, mm -hmm. what do they need? Well, they need your software, but they need a lot of other things too. Like for us, they need help with becoming an entrepreneur themselves, learning how instructional design or being a teacher. They need help building community. They need help uh, learning technology and maybe how to use other tools besides mine to be successful. So within all those hats, like, well, that's why we started the podcast. And I interview people about things like marketing and getting clients or how to package up your knowledge into a course as a teacher how to run a coaching program effectively, how to use these other tools besides Lifter LMS. So I essentially put my customer at the center and then surround them with what they need. And my software business is just one of those things. Hmm. And that's how I think about, um, you know, making them successful. And for me with that strategy, content creates a lot of opportunities around their needs in addition to just the tool. Yeah. And only there's that saying that only 2% of your market is ready to buy right now. Hmm. So by having all that other stuff, you're not just focused on the conversion you're nurturing those relationships. It's not uncommon for people to be in our marketing and buy two years later or six months later. Hmm. Um, if we just had an ad strategy, you know, that's, yeah. that would, that would be limited. And also you do need to have a plan to nurture those leads and have like a funnel of sorts for the people that are at the different stages. Hmm. So not just make all this content and then have a product, but yeah. you need to get them on your email list. Maybe hmm. you need to have conversion tools to help them make the decision to buy. And then as you get more advanced and further along the journey, you need to do it all over again on the customer success side <laughs> so that they have the content they need to be successful. They've already bought they need other things. So that's, it's like a funnel that comes mm. down to the sale, but then you got to do it again yeah. across onboarding, activation, expansion, revenue, and advocacy. Mm. So it's, there's plenty of work to do. And, and yeah. you can do what I'm saying is plant seeds at all those stages. Mm. And I think of it more as a flywheel than a funnel. Yeah. So kind of get something working and then you add another piece and then you double down on what's already working one advice I got from a business mentor one time is don't continually do new things. Like you should, when you're doing like your quarterly planning, yeah. if pick three big things and two of them should be doubling down on what's already working and then one new thing. 
yeah. which entrepreneurs are really bad <laughs> about. I just want to do the new thing, but wait, yeah. hold on. This, this thing's already working. Yeah. And there's a saying there that your market or you get tired of your marketing before your market ever does. So don't just stop because you love that. You already said it once or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I just want to note is like when you pick your product, it's really nice when you're in a market where there's just a continual influx of new people. Like there's constant influx of new people wanting to, um, figure out how to do online education or build an online business or figure out how to take their events business or speaker author coach business and move it mm -hmm. online. It's just never ending. It's just continuing yeah. to grow. So it's good to be in an evergreen market. Yeah. I want to add a couple of things um, on what you shared. The first is um, I think you said the thing that you mentioned about the content that you have to write the content for the, um, not just for the like you know the for the new customer like you know the but also need to write the content who are re some some are ready to buy right now some are not ready right now uh, to nurture them uh, I'm not sure if you if you follow uh, uh, Russell Brunson you know he um, has a lot of uh, uh, different books and tools in terms of uh, marketing and one thing I learned um, I finished one of the book actually three of his book and one of the book uh, is called uh, this dot com secrets. Mm -hmm. And in that, one thing I learned about is there are three kind of traffic, you know, the cold, warm, and hot. And right. you need to write the content for all these three because, you know, so that's how you basically, when it comes to the content, and I didn't know that. I thought like content is just plain content. But then I realized that you have to write, pick the topics for these three different types of um, traffic that comes to your website, you know, the cold, warm, and hot. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think something like that's a, that's also you were referring to when you say that you have to write the content for the different types of uh, the the buyers. A hundred percent. And a fun story. Um, Russell Brunson, the the there's a woman named Julie Eason who's a friend of mine who wrote Dot Com Secrets and Expert Secrets with Russell. She's a professional ghostwriter. Okay. And she actually has some courses now powered by Lifter LMS that uh, oh, wow. about, about writing and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, so just fun, fun story there, but yeah, internet marketing is something I highly recommend going deep on and I've been around it for a very long time, internet marketing, and I, it's evolved over time, but yeah, going back to the fundamentals of copywriting, nurturing, um, having, uh, like how does your offer scale and expansion mm. revenue and all that, all those core marketing and sales concepts are super important. So it's it's important to study all that in yeah. addition on how to create a product and do engineering and all the rest. Hmm. Um, Chris, I'm curious, curious um, will your strategy change, let's say from zero to 100, you say like, yeah, content is, is important and, and all that stuff. But let's say you already have 2,500 customers now, right? So would you still follow the same strategy as you mentioned, like, you know, just, uh, or anything new that you are trying or you want to try if you want to grow from, let's say 3,000 customers to 10,000 customers? I think, well, part of it is it's a journey of self-discovery. Like, what are you good at? What? How is the market changing? How's the competitive landscape changing? Um, and a lot of it is, scaling is just doing more of what's already working you do hit a point where and this is another great benefit of podcasting as an example is and guest podcasting going out and getting on other podcasts is you need to get exposure beyond your audience your market so the more you can work through partnerships and also team within your organization to scale is super important. So like you mentioned scaling, um, scaling from like the two, 3000 to 10,000 as an entrepreneur, there's different types or flavors of entrepreneurship. Some people are really good at starting things and getting them to a point. And then other people are really good at taking something that has product market fit and scaling it up. And then there's this whole other crew that takes that and puts it under professional management and goes even bigger. Some entrepreneurs can ride that the, all the way through. 
and some they need to partner or or hire new roles within their company to be able to cross those chasms. But for us right now, I would say it's more about uh, how do we work with others more and other people's audience. And also you have in product strategy, um, you have what's known as your beachhead market. Like who Mm -hmm. is your first customer? For Mm -hmm. us in learning management system, we came out of the the expert industry, like Russell Brunson's book, Expert Secrets, the course creator, the author coach that wants to make money online teaching what they know. That's our beachhead market. But there's other use cases that emerge over time organically that as you start noticing them and you see the patterns of like, oh, well, we're getting these continuing education companies that are doing, um, you know, on getting continuing education education credits and certification so let's we need to do some marketing around that hmm. and the the use cases start to expand from your core customer and that's another way i think about scaling hmm. uh, and wordpress particularly you know it's made for the diy person but also like big organizations in institutions industries use it as well so um there's like this conflicting advice you get in entrepreneurship is like, you should focus like a laser on your target market. Yeah. And, and there is truth to that. And I believe in <clears> that. <throat> but part of scaling is, you know, sometimes you get these other verticals that emerge and you can give them some love too. And then you can basically execute your same playbooks mm-hmm. again, but in this other vertical. Right. So once you have um, experimented and mastered the one channel or one customer group, you know, see what are the other customer groups and use cases where you can replicate the same, um, the campaign and and the strategy and continue to scale and grow uh, other in other verticals too. Yeah, and it's um, sometimes you hear this advice, oh, well, you, you guys should just move up market. And I, mm. I believe in that, but also I'm more of a yes and person, like not like let's cut that off and then do this. Yeah. Like, I call it transcend and include. So okay. I'm never going to abandon the DIY expert who wants to create a course or coach online, mm-hmm. but I'm going to keep, I am going to expand and, and hit new markets. Nice. I love it. So Chris, uh, next I wanted to talk a little bit about something that, um, you and other LMS in WordPress space did recently and was one of the very inspiring story. Uh, And in fact, Matt Mullenweg, the co-founder of WordPress, he also mentioned um, during during the WordCamp US 2023 recently that how all the uh, LMS uh, companies and the plugins in WordPress space come together and they're trying to uh, formalize or universalize the the uh, the architecture that we will use uh, to build um, the LMS plugins and also you know how it functions. I think it was really cool because usually when it comes to the products and or in general businesses, you know there is always this um, a competitiveness. But I it's good to see that how you know the all the different LMS plugin comes together and collaborating. Uh, to provide a better uh, experience for the customer as well as uh, the whole community. So I want to play um, the clip um, that Matt Mullenweg mentioned, and then uh, I have some questions related to that. All right, so let me share my screen quickly here. This is right. for like online courses and ways that could be adjunct to something in person. They could have quizzes, they could have units, modules, there's a million different things. Anyway, this week, uh, Tutor LMS, LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and Sensei all got together. So these are four different plugins um, that provide LMS solutions. And um, the conversation was around what common data models can we do? So it's kind of two tracks. One was like a, within the WordPress world, like can we actually agree on like using some of the same SQL uh, formats? So like we have common like column names and tables since we're doing some very similar things or we can at least create some abstractions between these different LMSs, could we make it so that there's not a lock-in and that 
users can get the freedom and choice to switch between these without having to port over all their content. Then second is that are there industry standards? Um, I didn't know a lot of this, but I learned some. There's like something called SCORM, I guess. Uh, there's some other like, was it XAPI? So, yeah, so this is something that I think is a very noble idea, Chris, and I wanted to hear the background story, like how it came up, this idea of collaborating uh, with the other LMS plugins, and what's the progress and what's the plan in this direction? Awesome. Well, I, I first met with Matt at WordCamp Europe about this, and we had had a Slack conversation before that. and. To, to just add a little meta note there, this is why it's important to get out of the building as a product company and go to events, invest in your community, not just trying to find your customers, but in your industry and your platform, the tech stack you use, be a citizen of the internet. Um, but essentially, as I mentioned earlier in this call, there's like 500 LMSs out there. Mm -hmm. And if you look at where WordPress sits in that, there's, it's actually really small in the broader LMS market. And I've always said our mission at Lifter LMS is to democratize learning in the digital classroom, which is just built on top of democratizing publishing. It's just mm -hmm. a certain type of publishing and some more like education-based layer. So one of the core ideas at an abstract level is how can we do what WordPress does, but for WordPress LMS? and make it, make it um, more com compatible and collaborative in the way that the WordPress is uniquely collaborative even among competitors. So if you look at the infinite game as opposed to the finite game, the, the infinite game is all about how somebody doesn't have to lose for somebody else to win. So mm -hmm. if we do a better job together within as WordPress LMS uh, collaborating, but competing companies, can we grow the pie together better? So if you start, if you begin with the end in mind and with what Matt said about, um, standards that are already kind of out there in the e-learning industry, it can really scale, uh, the opportunity for online education within WordPress and WordPress can have that democratizing influence in the education niche in the same way it's done with publishing. If 40%, 43% of the internet is powered by WordPress, what if 43% of online education was powered by WordPress? As opposed to where it is now, which is this very small piece in the broader pie. So that's like kind of about the opportunity set, not just for the sake of LMS companies doing better as companies, but also bringing all the benefits and the democratizing forces of WordPress to the broader e-learning market, which includes benefits like lower cost to deliver a better product that's more extendable and customizable. Uh, so that's kind of the, the big picture of what it's, what it's all about. But on the, on the micro level, it starts by collaborating and developing a standard in the same way that WordPress develops a standard for how plugins work and themes can integrate. So when you have that common core, the whole ecosystem can be a lot more effective and grow faster. So for example, if let's say another plugin in the WordPress ecosystem uh, or SaaS business that wants to integrate in through WordPress that for some e-learning function, if they can do one thing that then integrates with all the WordPress LMSs, you can see how much more efficient that is. Because sometimes in WordPress, you know, we figure out different ways to do similar things. And it's, uh, but when you get some standards going, we can focus on the higher level opportunities by having that kind of common core in the same way that WordPress is a common core for us all to build around. And I just want to reiterate one of the great things about the WordPress community is our collaborative nature mm -hmm. and playing the infinite game. And what's the biggest challenge, let's say, um, when you're trying to collaborate with other LMS and trying to find a common standards, uh, do you see any big challenges um, 
uh, on the on the horizon while working on this collaboration? Sure. I mean, if we could go back in time and have figured this out like <laughs> ten years ago, <laughs> it would be a lot easier. Yeah. So that's the that's the challenge. Is like we're all already moving, doing what we do mm. in different ways. So mm. uh, one challenge is just taking a step back, not getting too far ahead of ourselves and thinking about how are we going to like technically implement the solution. Mm -hmm. So let's slow down and look at how do we do it, you know, at a standards, more ideas and, and uh, you know, figure out the data model on paper. We don't just mm -hmm. have, it's not jumping straight into engineering. So that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah. I would say the other one, just not just for the LMS companies, there's other great folks contributing. I'd encourage people to join the the WordPress LMS Slack in the word the WordPress Make Slack if you're interested. Mm -hmm. um, but there's there's industries within industries here. So part of learning management system is not just um, you know housing data and content. You also have to create the content. So there's like this whole instructional design piece. And, it, and there's these e-learning authoring tools out there, which are outside of WordPress that the traditional e-learning industry uses to create content. Like Matt mentioned SCORM, something called a SCORM package. Mm -hmm. There's these other kind of file types that we need to think bigger than WordPress and you know play in the bigger market, which takes time to learn about how all that other e-learning technology and industry is operating because it's massive. I mean, even the whole concept of the internet itself started in education and universities wanting to share stuff. So mm -hmm. this, there's a lot of legacy and different ways of doing things out there. So it takes, a, it takes some time to, to really um, get Zen and tune in to, to, to the broader, um, systems of online education that have been happening and the existing standards and learn about them, figure out what can be adopted, what can be built from first principles, mm -hmm. and then and then also working through the challenges of mindset around infinite game versus finite game and how we think about competitors or uh, doing it in a way that's win-win for all stakeholders. That takes work too, just to, to work through that for individuals comp and companies. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're already um, thinking about it, but I would love to see um, some kind of uh, a process document or your learning, you know, when you when you are able to complete this whole project of collaboration and combining, you know, some of the standards. I think that will become a really good um, resource for others who wants to do it, you know, so learning from your experience. So if I'm not sure if you're already thinking about, but I would love to see some kind of a guide or documentation that come out of, out of the, your experimental learning. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, a lot of it, what we're doing is build in public in the, it's in the WordPress make LMS Slack channel. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like the standard itself will emerge as a document mm. and as a documented um, data model and, and strategy. Yeah. But it also, um, uh, the process of that collaboration, I'm sure we'll learn a lot too that we could share. Mm. Yeah. Um, and let me know if you need any help on that because, yeah, I would love to also join in to see how we can actually um, transform the, the process in a much easier way for other plugin companies to start the journey, you know. So the one documentation is um, maybe for more for you know the um, the you and your like other LMS, but then we can kind of think about creating a different documentation for other plugin companies to kind of take this approach that how to start the discussion. Because the great thing is that at some point you and other LMS companies to come together and started this discussion. So kind of like how to inspire the conversations in this direction would be something will be, be super, super helpful. Awesome. Yeah. Great. So Chris, um, I have a couple more questions and let's kind of like move on to, to a little bit more like a kind of like a lightning round. Mm -hmm. So the question that I have is, um, uh, as you know, this podcast is peaceful growth, and uh, if you, we, you and I, we also talked about in the beginning that the growth 
and the the sacrifices or efforts that we have to put in in the beginning in order to grow where we are so my question is um yeah what's your definition of peaceful growth and how do you maintain that for me it's it's living an integrated life so i think we're most at peace when sort of like the same thing where I was talking about when you put your customer at the center of your business instead of your product. If you, there's this debate around work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's an important debate. But also when you love your work and you love your life and you love the community you're with, it helps, you love the people you work with, it creates um, a very powerful sense of peace it does, it's still hard work, but um, basically keeping the humanity in the whole process is super important. So for me, like coming back from WordCamp US, I got recognized at the airport in DC, not by a somebody who was at WordCamp, but by a customer who'd been with Lifter for five or six years. Wow. And she had helped over... Uh, I forget how many million moms with anxiety. Mm. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that's like the impact part that like makes yeah. me excited. Uh, mm. Like I mentioned before the call too, after the word camp as an introvert, mm. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. So I need to come home. I need to also take care of my health and recharge and reset and, you know, yeah, be with my family and, um, you know, c connect with them. And, and uh, so having that, kind of full life model where you don't get too focused on just one piece, like making money or building business, mm. but also like your health, your friendships, your relationships. And sometimes those things start overlapping and that's where some magic happens, I think. So like I have a lot of WordPress professionals um, that are also really dear friends. So I get to benefit. I'm working and I'm playing and I'm, um, have my friends it's all sometimes it all gets wrapped together and that's kind of magical mm -hmm. um and for me one more thing i'll add which is more of a tactic is uh it's really easy to get swept up in the stress of working online and you know all the internet never sleeps and the <laughs> you know the business is always needing stuff and you know you're always trying to grow as a leader and you've got your fires burning at work that some you let burn, some are something you have to get to, uh, is to figure out how you're going to navigate stress. Cause it's never been harder than it is now to get overwhelmed. So for me, it's different for everybody, but for me, one thing that's been really powerful is just having a, uh, strong morning routine where I walk and I take care of my health. I do some strength on strength training on certain days I do my learning time, like my podcast stuff in the morning. So, and there's a lot that goes into that whole ritual. It's like three hours of my morning routine, but it keeps me grounded. Mm -hmm. And so staying grounded helps. And one of the things that happens in the journey is um, you, when you do start getting some level of success, you can then start creating more boundaries and I'm, I'm a continual work in progress of like, well, if I'm going to fulfill this mission and vision I want to do with this company and with my life, I need to not burn out, stress out, you know, um, neglect important commitments and things like that. So over time, I just, tr I try to keep working on those things and I'm a work in progress and I'm not perfect and I've had my challenges, but continuing to, um, and entrepreneurs are good at this, not just remaining with the status quo but there's always another level not just of business success but also like life happiness and peace mm. and whether that's okay well i stopped working at 6 p.m i used to go to like 3 a.m like that's a huge clawback to like actually what's a more healthy life and, and then yeah. on the other end like i, I inserted my this self-care morning ritual thing Mm -hmm. So I don't just wake up and start getting into email and all of them yeah. go till 3am, whatever. But I, I used to be like that. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, I'm fortunate to be able to do that. But, mm -hmm. um, for me personally, 
where I'm at, I still have like a normal, like 40 hour work week. It's just, I don't have the 80 hour work week anymore. <laughs> and that's, yeah. a, that's a huge thing to create more peace. Cause otherwise you're just going to burn out, stress out mm. have some health cha- challenges. Yeah. No, I think, um, the routine, uh, piece is very important because that's, I, I also noticed that, um, I used to work, um, like 14, 16 hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and also, um, that one thing that I have repeatedly hear from like a lot of even past guests in this podcast as well, that it is not about working less or more. I think it's working about, it's more important about working on a right thing because when you, you are aligned with um, aligned your goal and your action towards what you mentioned about the purpose, like, you know, what's uh, something that gives you joy, then 10 hours, 15 hours, 16 hours, you know, doesn't matter. But if you're working on a wrong goal or wrong, trying to climb a wrong mountain, you know, that's where I think uh, even the one hour will will feel like uh, 20 hours of efforts. So yeah, one thing is important is uh, there is the purpose. And the second thing uh, for the piece is is process, which you Mm -hmm. say the routine, you know, for me, it's uh, it's a process and routine. So when I create like a small processes around my routine, my work and all that, that gives me, uh, helps me stay consistent uh, without um, uh, stressing me out. Yeah. And I I use the calendar very heavily, like time blocks. And I like to work through routines more than project. I mean, I'm working on projects, but Mm -hmm. it's planned. Like there's a time box for that during the week. And also as you get better as an entrepreneur, you start planning better through annual planning, quarterly planning, yeah. And you realize you don't have to do it all simultaneously all the time and find that leverage through um, more strategic work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, the great advice there. And uh, I, I love that calendar that you mentioned, routine, um, and aligning your efforts to the purpose and impact, you know, so those are the things that I think uh, um, are the golden, you know, when it comes to to balancing and uh, finding the balance uh, between peace and growth. Yeah, and I just add having an open mind um, and not getting too attached, like to a strategy or a tactic or just being open to new things is super important. And because that's where you find opportunity and also having that experimenter's mindset, mm. like, well, let's try it. Let's see what yeah. we can do in two weeks if we try that and being okay with stop doing some things that aren't working. Yeah. Great. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Chris. Um, last question I have is, um, I know that there are a lot of AI tools uh, and AI is big. So just curious to know if, um, how are you using AI tools in your work and life? Yeah, I use a fair bit. Um, I mean, I use ChatGPT particularly for research and combining ideas. Uh, or if I wade into an area that's unknown to me to like kind of summarize things. Like I was listening to a podcast this morning and the, the book Nonviolent Communication came up in the podcast, which has been on my want to read list for a long time. Okay. But I, I haven't been able to get to it. So mm. as I'm on my morning walk this morning, I think I was actually using Bard because I was on my phone. I was I said, hey, can you give me the summary of the nonviolent communication process? And it was like right there. And I was like, cool. Mm. <laughs> so I use that. Nice. Um, there's some SEO AI that I use to create content briefs for content marketing. Um, outline it doesn't do the job for you but it gives you it does a bunch of research and helps you organize Um, our developers use github copilot we've done some experimentation with ai image generation for uh, for fun but also just creating graphic assets for the business and um, you know we have some ai stuff that we're working on within the lifter lms itself so yeah, we're fans. I'm not. Okay. I see. I see AI more as a enhancer than a replacer. And so Me too. It makes you more effective. It doesn't necessarily take an entire job away. Mm-hmm. You mentioned about the books. Um, so, I believe you you read a lot of books. 
I listen to a lot of books. Yeah. All right. And um, what's your favorite book? Like some one book that that you would recommend to all of our listeners and that in one or other way have you know significantly changed your life? Man, there's so many. Um, <laughs> like from an for an entrepreneur, like if you're at the beginning, mm. the Lean Startup is a classic. There's another one called Disciplined Entrepreneurship, which is also really good. Mm. Um, in marketing, uh, there's a book on positioning called The Battle for the Mind, which is really good, by Al Rise, Al Rise and Jack Trout. And then for if you're trying to name a product or a business, which is more of a niche tactic thing, I mm -hmm. highly recommend Hello, My Name is Awesome by April Dunford. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> there's too many. I have too many books, so that's a hard question. No, these are, these are great. Uh, we'll, we'll put all these books in the, in the show notes. But uh, yeah, I've re read uh, Lean Startup um, and other books that you mentioned. Uh, sounds very interesting and i haven't read them but yeah i would put into the show note and also put in my reading list awesome great no thanks for sharing that chris and um yeah the the last two questions i have uh, in fact one question uh, and then we will uh, bring this to home um, so i ask all my guests like you know who should i interview next uh, for this podcast and especially the th looking at the theme of the podcast uh, does anyone any name comes to your mind that will be a good fit for peaceful growth uh, future episodes yeah there's I mean, there's a lot i'm just going through the through the rolodex um mm -hmm. i'll give you a couple uh i think jack arturo from wp fusion has done a really good job with he's one of those unicorns who's an engineer and a marketer in one mm. And he's also kept his team small and he places a really high value on peace, his, his like lifestyle and peace and, you know, having shorter work days and a high quality life. Um, wow. he's, he's a great one. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some more after the call, but he's, yeah, that'll be great. And if you can also maybe write a sh short introduction to with uh, Jack, that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Glad to. And the last thing is, yeah, how can people find you online and learn more about you and your work? Well, if you like podcasts, you can find me at LMS Cast. Just do a search for that. Mm -hmm. And then the business is Lifter LMS, which is at lifterlms.com. We have a free plugin, which you can find on the WordPress repository or on our website. And then in terms of social media, like I said, I throw all the spaghetti at the wall, so I'm everywhere. But where I'm most active is Twitter, particularly for engaging in entrepreneurship. Now X, right? <laughs> What's that? Now X. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just at Chris Badgett. Great. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, you have been so generous and so open um, by sharing you know, your advice, your expertise, and insights on growing your business. And uh, yes, uh, thank you so much and really appreciate that. Thanks, Anil. And for anybody listening, um, you, can, you can reach out to me, particularly on Twitter. I love helping other entrepreneurs, so feel free to connect. Great, and we'll put all, the, all your contact details and how people can connect with you on the show notes so they can easily find it, uh, connect with you. Awesome, thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Krish. Thank you so much for listening to Peaceful Growth. Sign up for my newsletter, Learn and Grow, on anilg.substack.com to get more personal growth and work-life balance tips delivered to your inbox weekly. Also, check out the show notes of this episode to get access to all the resources mentioned during this interview. May the peace and growth be with you.